You can listen to The Professional Left on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or at our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com, where you can also contribute to this podcast. There's a PayPal button at our website, or you can mail us a letter and or contribution at P.O. Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 62791. This is the podcast for June 23rd, 2017. It's not safe for work. Coming to you live from our very own low-cost wall of sunlight, it's The Professional Left with Drift Glass and Blue Gal. You know, the wall is going to be beautiful. It's going to have those solar panels on it now. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's an upgrade yeah. from the previous wall. Uh, so it, I guess Donald Trump's, this is the kinder, gentler. It's going to be a giant pair of spanks, I think. <laughs> <laughs> to hold our to hold our big racist offensive uh, gluttony in that we clearly are we clearly are a nation now being run by monsters and uh, hobgoblins uh, and we need to a way to hold that in this is not to protect us from Mexico it's to protect Mexico from us yeah yeah and uh, it's not going to work because you know uh, somehow Donald Trump's bullshit will get over the wall and people will know what's going on here so yep, yep. Um, shall we jump right in or do you want to well, no, we'll just let people know that we are recording on Thursday, the day that the uh, Senate version of health care death, panel. uh, death panels became uh, revealed. It was the big yeah. reveal, yeah. Drift Glass, the big well, reveal. It was the Cliffs Notes. It was the Sparks Notes. It was the, <laughs> it was the class outline that maybe we'll take this no, on this semester, maybe we won't. It was so amazing to me how quickly it became a discussion document. Yeah, it's just some stuff. As opposed to a vote for this, damn it. Yeah. And, I mean, Mitch McConnell really would rather just call, you know, Vice President Pence right. and his uh, 50 guys into a room and not tell anybody what they're doing yes, and not do anything about it except vote for it and just give it to Trump to sign, although the House has to do something. I mean, sure. they're not well, passing the House bill, so uh, there the has to will, be some sort of... The House will pass it. I'm sure they will. The House will pass it. Of course the they will. The House will just pass the Senate bill. Just yeah. so they can say, yeah, we did. Well, I don't know about that, though, because they're up for re-election in 18 months. So um, when, when was the last time when was the last time Republican voters published punished Republican office holders for, no, being, exactly. for being scumbags? Exactly. And that's yeah. that's what we really want to talk about today, yeah. which is uh, the difference between the parties, because both sides don't. Yeah. And while uh, a number of us on our side of the political spectrum uh, worry out loud about, uh, you know, the future of our party and whether we go left and angry or whether we work with Republicans or whether we, uh, this whole ditch Pelosi thing, which was just stupid, uh, had nothing to do with anything except the fact that she was the current uh, hobgoblin. Yes. That the Republican candidate put on all of the ads to say, you know, it would have been Harry Reid if Harry Reid hadn't retired. It would have been, you know, or it would have been Hillary Clinton six months ago. It's whoever they can get to drive up the hate on that side. And, of course, now we have Mitch McConnell. (laughs) Not that it's both sides, because Mitch McConnell is really trying to do significant harm to people. Uh, But, you know, it's whoever uh, is going to drive up the anger to the point of, oh, I have to go and vote because I'm not voting for Karen Handel. I'm voting with my tribe. Right. And, and all the 
all the shitty right-wing email that I've gotten from various people over the years, over the decades at this point, mm-hmm. all had Nancy Pelosi in it, all had Harry Reid in it, all, you know, Saul Alinsky would be hauled out of his grave once again oh, yeah. to do this. Soros uh, Bill, money. Yeah. Bill, you know, Bill Ayers would, would they will always find, this is the, this is the part, I, I think Nancy Pelosi is a shrewd and, and, uh, competent and capable politician and leader i think she and her cohort are too old right uh, right now we women. need we need new leadership we do. uh to arise it's it not not out of ageism but no. simply because this party has to last past the next 10 years and yes. there there just aren't people uh in leadership at this point i mean harry reed said it himself yeah. when he retired which is this looks like an old old folks home it does and it doesn't um, need to, it really doesn't need to. No. And there are, you and I have complained about this before, at least you've heard me bitterly complain uh, about the fact that uh, we really are, for the most part, skipping a generation in terms of training women yes. to be political yes. and to be and to be successful politically, because there are a large number of hardworking women in their 40s and 50s who have had careers in business, who yeah. have made successes of themselves and built relationships within local communities to where they could launch a political career. They may have made uh, perhaps not their fortune, but perhaps their fortune. Perhaps they've made enough money that they're really ready to take a risk and run for office. Mm -hmm. And it is the Gloria Steinem generation, the Nancy Pelosi generation, that is now training their granddaughters. Right. You know, the millennials to... uh, you know, join the fray, and it's like, wait a minute, hello, we're here. What about us? What about we're ready this? Yeah. right now to go? Uh, we have had leadership positions. We've done lots of writing. We, you know, one of the problems is a lot of us have said fuck on the internet, and so that disqualifies us. I tried to warn you, Blue. Ladies, I tried. You know? I tried to warn you. I tried so hard so, to warn you. Now, and, I would and it like... reminds me before we go on. I, I just uh, the article that was in W Magazine about uh, Samantha B. Uh-huh. That said, it was it was a profile of her, and that's the only reason I actually opened this magazine at the doctor's office was because, oh, Samantha B. I want to read about her. Uh, she bridges the generations between the baby boomers and the millennials. Yeah. The article says, that's like, no, she doesn't bridge anything. She's a Gen Xer, mm-hmm. and that's why she's able to be a comedian. That's why Marcos Melitzis, you, me, uh, Shakespeare's sister, Samantha B, John Stewart, Stuart, mm-hmm. Stephen Colbert, all of these people are the guy who wrote. Uh, oh, come on, um, the Big Short. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yep. That whole generation of muckrakers. Mm-hmm. They're all fifty-three years old or thereabouts in that range. In yeah. shooting distance of fifty-three years old. Yeah. Because they're Gen Xers because they were brought into the workplace. Right at Y2K. Yes. And we all had to learn computers for our jobs right away. And we came right on and we're entering our careers or we're, we're expanding our careers right at the point where the Internet was born. Well, and and yeah, at and, the same time, yes. George W. Bush stole the 2000 election. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and, there, and that generation, I'm a little bit ahead of that curve, but not by much. No. Uh, that generation came online as the downsourcing, right-sizing um, um, leaning out, uh, the, the, the destruction of mm-hmm. the, of, of the middle management workforce. Like right. when right. we were shedding assistants and secretaries and pretty much flattening the organization to save money, what that meant was that 
if you came online at that time, you had to absorb 10 other job duties mm-hmm. walking in the door um, mm-hmm. and you had to be really good at it. And you know what? A lot of people, uh, myself included, never made it out of middle management. Right. Uh, and then right. the recession came along and just wiped me out along with millions of other others mm-hmm. like us. But I, I, I just want to mention that is a perfect transition to where I want to end our podcast about oh. the training of the grand sh- of the of the great grandchildren. Yep. Yeah, well, you go I right saw. ahead. Let's just go ahead and do this right now because I think it's a fascinating story. Yeah. Oh, so, you want to you want to do the? Uh, let's do. Let's move the be- the end to the beginning. The happy ending at the beginning, <laughs> yeah. but then, then yeah. they'll hang up, Blue Gal. Then we won't get paid extra. <laughs> There's the foreplay, and then the sad story, and then you play them out with happy music. Come on, it's like you've never uh, sold shoes on the street before. For goodness sake. All right. So about training the great grandchildren. Well, I spent my day yesterday. Um, um, feeling pretty good. I, uh, I went to a community organizing uh, organization that works with gang of local and works with gang intervention and poverty and jobs and community health needs. And they do it for nickels and dimes and they needed my help to do some stuff and I'm going to help them do some stuff and maybe I'll make a, you know, four bucks here and three bucks there, but they don't get paid anything. But these are people who've been in the trenches for decades. And uh, they are working at the local level to make the world a better place. At the grassroots level, in the bad neighborhoods, trying to make a difference, they are committed to it. Uh, some of them are wealthy, who've just decided this is this is how I give back to, to the community that made me wealthy, which is great. Uh, some of them are just regular working class folks. Uh, some of them are ex offenders, but they're all committed to doing this good work, and I think it's mm-hmm. wonderful. And it was refreshing. It was like, oh, okay, this is. I remember this. <laughs> this yeah, is, yeah. This is where you know single moms are walking through here with their kids on their hips. Uh, working here part time, and there's you know there's a, a hub of activity of, of people who need help, and this is they know to go here, mm-hmm. and uh, and they just they do very good work, and I'm I'm happy to to be a part of it. Then in the evening, I went to the local Methodist church mm-hmm. with middle our local Methodist church. Yes, which which <laughs> always opens its doors to nonprofits, um, recovery right. groups, you name it. This is something that any large building in a community should be able to do, especially schools. Right. Um, there's lots of untapped resources out there in the world that shut at three o'clock or four o'clock or only open a few hours that could be open for a few extra dollars for parents and kids and community groups to use, to get together and work together and, and use the internet and use the bathrooms and use the faucets. Um, but the, our church does that. And I'm the right. kitchens and, and the, the kitchen and the kitchens. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. This group, uh, was uh, sponsored by the Sierra Club. The Sierra Club was there, and the Prairie River Consortium, and the NAACP, and and and, and there were union people there, and uh, one, a couple of our friends wearing their proudly wearing their Planned Parenthood T-shirts were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But most importantly, and this was about coal. This is about coal, coal ash, the the extraction of coal. There are coal pits in spring around Springfield that are threatening the water supply, like in. You know, all over this country, there are coal mm-hmm. trains that run through town. Our city, one of the major sources of revenue for the city is they own a coal fire plant. They don't rent power it. plant. The power, power plant. Yeah. They don't yeah. rent it. It doesn't have to be on the property. The city literally owns the power plant. So mm-hmm. what happens to that is literally up to the voters, which is, is encouraging and somewhat depressing. Right. But they were they showed us a film, uh, which is an absolute no holds barred. It was not. You know, both sides are really kind of <laughs> no, no. It was uh, coal jobs are going away, and this this redheaded shit given keeps promising people things that he can never deliver, and show the misery of people in coal country, the history of coal, all the diseases caused by it. it was very well produced. But the mm-hmm. organizers of this 
were the Girl Scouts. <laughs> were the Girl Scouts with their little white shirts and their little sashes. And Little Child walked in and recognized half of them. And so she was, you know, it was. It oh, was, that's right. You took Middle Child with you to this meeting, right? She asked, yep. she asked to come. Yeah. Uh, okay. uh, the, the head of the Sierra Club in this area, uh, I know her. She knows me. And, you know, we swap emails. We know each other because we see each, we see each other at all the same meetings. Right. All so, the same community at organizing yeah. meetings, right? <laughs> so yeah. I get a sheaf of we're going to do this and this and have this march and this march and so on. And whatever I can attend or have time to do, I do and vice versa. Uh, but uh, so I got that from her and middle child said, Oh, I want to go. And halfway through, she wanted to know if there were possibilities of youth volunteers. And here's the thing. The girl scouts hand out snacks and beverages and postcards, mm-hmm. postcards. Mm-hmm. Here's how you write to the mayor of the city of Springfield. Oh my God. Here's how to get attention of local elected officials. There were aldermen at this meeting, which is the, you know, the highest level of, of local elected organization here, other than mm-hmm. the real estate developers who are unelected, but run everything. <laughs> but run everything. Um, but Well, and don't forget, Mrs. Durbin runs a lot too. She does too. And bless her heart. Dick and, Durbin's wife is in Springfield. We've mentioned that before. And she's on the side of the angels. She and, she and her cohorts... Yeah. Uh, the denizens of Springfield run a lot of what goes on in this and, and in, they, in a very benevolent way, unlike battle, some of the real estate Exactly. They battle on the side of the angels. They really right. do. Uh, and, but this all happens in a very, in a church basement with covered dishes and nice people. Um, but it was the Girl Scouts. And the Girl Scouts are the ones. And they, they, they all stood up there sort of by age, and they all had a piece to read. And they went from the oldest, who was I'm um, 14, middle child's age, mm-hmm. 13, 14, all the way down to, you know, the littlest one who was adorable and held up a sign, but it was a it was a production. Yep. And the and and the Girl Scouts. So also, they got to put on a show and also instruct the yeah. audience on how to contact your elected officials, which is part of their curriculum. It is. I know because I've had Girl Scouts in my family. Yes, my my girls lost interest. You know when when girls lo- sometimes lose interest in that sort of thing. Unless your mom is a troop leader, which I was never going to do that. Would it surprise you to know that my mom was a troop leader? No, it would not surprise me at all to know your mother was a troop leader. <laughs> uh, but but it does remind me, a lot of people have given attention to um, Teen Vogue magazine yes. during the election and so forth, and how that particular magazine has become, in addition to a source for ripped jean fashion and zit, cre- and zit creams, you know, and and glitter on your eyelids, uh, has a lot of articles in it about political activism, about transgender, trans. they feature transgender fashion models t- telling about their lives, mm-hmm. uh, rape, sexual uh, awareness, uh, contraception, masturbation, you know, things that would horrify... Certain certain people out there that fourteen year old girls already know about yes. and want to be able to read about mm-hmm. so that they know what their bodies are doing. Yes, and uh, but the activism, the the how to how to organize a march, how to do all of these things, and what I said to you last night after you came home and you were just kind of floating above. The I was. Floor, it was great. Uh, great because I know it. Life has been hard for us, us all of us, all everyone of us. listening to me yeah. this year. It's been hard to sleep. It's been hard to focus. And you and I had a talk because I was just kind of crying yesterday about this health care bill. And, you know, you put your arms around me and said, you know, I, I have panic attacks and it's hard and I don't know what to do. And you came home last night. I said, so did you have any panic attacks while you were gone? He said, no, I no, didn't. I, I felt really I felt wonderful. good about making a difference at this yep. meeting. And so, but what I told you after you 
told me your whole story about the Girl Scouts handing out postcards to the mayor and so forth was the Girl Scouts are ahead of the, you know, Vogue, Teen Vogue magazine by Mm -hmm. about 10 or 12 years. I think that's about right. Yeah. They have been training activists Mm -hmm. and using it you know, doing it in a very uh, non-controversial way in right. terms of, uh, you know, how to pick up garbage in your community, how to, uh, it, a lot of environmental stuff, a yes. lot of community gardens, you know, start a community garden or support a community well, garden, that things, kind of thing. One of the one of the ways that the Girl Scouts, I'm sure, got involved in this is they they're the, they are some of the people who do water quality testing. Uh huh. At the lake yeah. in Springfield. Test your water, test your pet tap water, yeah. and then go t- test. And you get to be outdoors, and you get to camp, and go in a tent, and yeah. there's a stream, and so you're going to test the water and see is it clean, is it what's it, what kind of chemicals are in it, and so forth. And so ahead of the curve by about 12 years is the Girl Scouts training young women mm-hmm. to be to be activists. Yes. In and again using non-controversial issues so that when they get to be 21, 22 and they're in college <laughs> and they're trying to active they're trying to mobilize their college campus to accept transgenders and to accept transgender bathrooms and so forth they have all of these tools at their disposal. And they're they not- know yeah. to go and look for the people who are in power and make themselves heard. And not and be intimidated. Not afraid to do it because exactly. they've done it when they were eight. Right. So uh, it's fabulous. It's a great way to do it. They haven't had none of the serious issues that the Boy Scouts have had nope. in terms of accepting transgendered people into scouting. Um, I know there have been a few troops, isolated troops, that have had issues with that. But overall, it's been remarkably smooth. Yeah. And um, so good, good on the Girl Scouts yeah, and good on our operation. church for I want, I want to say, you know, it's not just a matter of opening up the church and saying, OK, nonprofits, you can come in no, um, and use the rooms that are in there, which are, you know, after five o'clock are not being used for the most part. And we do have Bible studies in the weeknights and, and administrative meetings and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but any nonprofit can contact our church. And they do. And they do. Mm-hmm. And can be given a room now but what we provide for them is we have a staff person part of their job is to schedule nonprofits. Uh-huh. we have we pay for the electricity and the water and the bathrooms are clean you know the custodial uh stuff is not cheap to, mm-hmm. to keep those rooms clean for people to come in and we provide security yep we have a security officer so um it is not uh free for us to just say we're going to leave this building open until 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, or 10 p.m., depending on what is going on. Uh, but it is part of our giving back to the community, and it's something that all, like you say, all public buildings um, Could that, have a, that are trying to reach out to the community mm-hmm. should be doing. That yeah. is one way to um, – and, and I know that that kind of outreach works in terms of people who would not in any other way walk into a church – would walk into a church for Alan, a Sierra, Sierra Club meeting, yeah, or, right? Or, or Al-Anon. Or, or Al-Anon. Well, or, those um, people would might be more likely to walk into a church. I mean, could so, be. Some of these well, are, are, you know, have some sort of faith-based element yeah. to them. But when, when the when the, the mayor or aldermen do their budget meetings, mm-hmm. uh, they always schedule one for this building and this and this or, this area. This yep, is where the right. ward meets because they know, right. you know, that that. People know where it is. And they're always and it's full. safe. And it's safe. And it's safe. And it's a it's a large building, and it's easy. It's on a major corner where people can't get lost, and has parking. 
And, and I'll just I'll add this one more thing yeah. if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. During the meeting, um, mm-hmm. I'm sitting way in back because I'm really tall and I and we're having a fine time. And and one of our dear friends at church uh, is over on the way other side and is flagging me down because she's doing um, the cancer thing. Uh, Relay for life, it's called. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But she, but I, and I have she does all the lifting. It has nothing to do with me. But she wanted to check some detail that I happen to be involved with. But it's that kind of place where you can be in the middle of your Sierra Club meeting <laughs> and the cancer fundraiser comes by and says, oh, just one second. Can I check one detail with you? <laughs> and so, you know what? Well, that's because you have a, your fingers in a lot of pots. It really is. <laughs> and so I don't feel. But that's what I want. Folks, I, what, what I want you to hear in our voices, and here's where we check in with each other, yep. right, for the mental health moment. Yep. Is when you're feeling despair yep. and feeling as though you're you're failing because no matter what you do, Mitch McConnell's going to be a bastard. Yeah, right. He he doesn't work for his constituents. He doesn't work for you. He's not working for what's right. He's not looking for what's best for the most people. He's serving a constituency with which you have nothing to do. Right. <laughs> and. It feels as though you can't stop it. You can't stop this evil from happening. And when you feel powerless, you feel despair. Mm -hmm. When you feel powerless, the thing to do is find a place where you can have some power to do some good. Mm -hmm. And that means local, find a local community. Even if it's bagging up used clothing and giving it to the Salvation Army or Goodwill or wherever you take it yep. give something mm-hmm. you know and and or writing a check to habitat for humanity in your local community right or go find out what they're doing go find out if they're building somewhere where you could bring a couple of pizzas yeah. or you could you know do something do relay for life this weekend can you, can you swing a hammer uh, they'll, they'll put you to work oh they'll put you to work yeah. <laughs> yeah but sometimes what they really need you know is two jugs of lemonade yeah, snacks. You know, they'd really appreciate that yeah um so it, it's a matter of what can you do that then makes a difference and you can feel like you, you then have some, you know, circle of control where you, you can make a difference and make the world a better place. And that doesn't mean that we still aren't paralyzed no. by the prospect of losing health insurance, yes. as so many people are. Yes, or may. And Man. when I try, when I'm, when I see people on Twitter who are so brainwashed and tribal about Donald Trump, that they will not even acknowledge that they might need a nursing home in, you know, far sooner than I will need one. Yeah. You know, we're talking about someone who's 64 or 65 years old and is on Medicare already mm-hmm. and is on uh Social Security saying MAGA, 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 you know, I'm going to put a brick in the wall and and you realize, wow, they really, you know, I want to buy a brick for the wall. Yes. I thought Mexico was going to pay for that. Uh Uh-huh. You know, and and no, they're so disjointed from uh, account, even keeping themselves accountable for what they said yesterday, because that's not what that tribe does. And that's why Donald Trump is the perfect leader for that tribe. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't care what Donald Trump said yesterday or two minutes ago or what he tweeted last night. We're 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 MAGA, you know, but when you see that and you realize it does not matter to them that you and I pay seven hundred dollars a month for health insurance. No, at all. You know, it's you're a moocher. Nothing. You're a libtard. You're this because you're not in our tribe. And what I and this is this is where again, this is where we, we sort of elide over to the rest of the podcast. Um there's a an important thing to remember, and I, I have to remind myself, is that there is no conservative on Twitter who cares mm-hmm. what you think. 
Right. There is no conservative and there's virtually no one in the media. And I mean, people that I normally kind of you know like who cares what you think or will respond right. to you in any way. Right. Doesn't matter how much you shout and jump up and down. Doesn't matter if you've been writing a blog for 12 years. Doesn't matter if you've been linked, uh, you know, in Vanity Fair and Esquire. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. They don't. They're having a separate, insulated conversation among themselves yep. that we can observe, but they do not interact with us. The, mm -hmm. the entire social media uh, machine for them is just a way to advertise their show, uh, yep. what they're saying. Yep. And, and there, I, there are many exceptions to that, but they're the rare ones. Um, that so, what you're seeing is a bunch of people in a at the Vatican <laughs> deciding your fate half yeah. a world away. And yep. there's a lot of arguing going back and forth. And I feel like I should be at that table so I can ask some really basic fucking questions about how you know why, Mr. Reporter Man, why aren't you asking him this really really obvious question? Well, the answer mm -hmm. is because Mr. Reporter Man or Mr. Reporter Lady, Mr. Reporter Lady, uh, will get fired if they ask, ask that yep. question. Yep. Um, you know who got uh, got a show today? Hugh, Hugh Hewitt on our your liberal and my liberal TV, and we say that jokingly because we know it's damn well not uh, the the cyborg from the future sent to America to destroy America uh, has his own show on MSNBC mm -hmm. now because mm -hmm. who, and he's a lying crackpot, and mm -hmm. the reason he's on there is because there's a real market for that, and this is obvious. This is how this country now works. There's a huge number of those people out there who want you to feed them insanity and rage and lies and feed back to them their own bile in ever larger caliber cardiac needles directly into their chest. Mm -hmm. And Andy Lack, who runs MSNBC, knows that. He knows he's mm -hmm. an audience for Hugh Hewitt out there. Hugh Hewitt's a despicable scumbag, but there will be people who will wake up in the morning and watch Hugh Hewitt, and he wants their money, and he mm -hmm. wants their eyeballs, and he doesn't give a shit about you. He doesn't, you know, if, if, uh, if, if liberals got better ratings, I'm sure he'd be, you know, putting more liberals on the air, but he knows there's a large and incredibly stupid market of people who are, who are gullible enough to vote for Donald Trump and gullible enough to actually, you know, cut their own throats to make liberals mad. And, and I gotta believe his thinking is, wow, these people are stupid. They have spare time and they have money. That's the perfect audience for dick pills and reverse mortgages. Mm -hmm. so let's give him mm -hmm. Hugh Hewitt. Let's give him Greta Van Susteren. Let's give him Joe Scarborough. And fuck the liberals. You know, this isn't their this isn't their network. This is Comcast network. Mm -hmm. No liberal pays mm -hmm. my check. Comcast pays my check. And Comcast is a corporation. So what you'll hear today are a lot of process stories and a lot of wringing of hands and a lot of this side and that side. But what I saw today was the Republican Party offering a massive human sacrifice to the god of oligarchy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. they hate this country that much. No, mm -hmm. there's no mm -hmm. we can stop pretending, uh, you know, talking around it and dressing up our language. Republicans hate this country the way it is now. They love a feudal state. They, but, you know, if, they, if, they, if their health care bill kills 10, 20 million people, they don't give a shit. They don't care if, if coal you know, kills 40 million people. They don't care if tides, you know, rises and sweeps away a million miles of 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 coastline. They don't shit. They don't give a shit. They don't care. So quit trying to reason with them. Quit trying to find the magic words that will let them suddenly see, oh, my God, we're we have a common humanity. We share this planet. We love our children. And we don't want this horrible thing to happen because that's never going to happen. Because mm -hmm. the minute that their eyes. But, but you see why that is so um, dispiriting. Yes. You oh, yeah. see why the, the 
the desire on my part and I know on our listeners' part to love your fellow man and love your fellow human beings and uh, try to reason with one another and come together and solve problems together. Well, you can love the sinner but hate the sin, okay? uh, (laughs) (laughs) That kind of thing, you know? And and, uh, I I sit here and I want to say not all Republicans, but the fact is that they vote together. They do. And that's what we learned in Georgia. Yes. Is that it just doesn't matter. You you have an article, an article. that uh, Joy Reid was talking yeah. about, right? It's in The Root, and we'll, we'll include the links at our podcast. It's by Jason Johnson. Uh, Joy Reid was was touting it, and she's one of the people who will, who will occasionally get back to people and actually interacts mm-hmm. with liberals and is proud to be a liberal mm-hmm. and is in there fighting every day and has my respect for being in an essentially hostile work environment every day. And doing her best and keeping her cool and being awesome. Um, but the title of the article is That White Boy About to Lose the Inescapable Racial Politics of the Georgia 6th Special Election. Now, I'm just going to read the mm-hmm. first two paragraphs. Um, I'll read the first little bit. The writer was on his way to a John Ossoff watch party and with a good friend and colleague of his, somewhere between a black millennial and Gen Xer. But he'd worked mm-hmm. on campaigns in Georgia and a pretty good feel for what was about to happen and what was going on throughout Atlanta. And the first thing his friend had to say was, that white boy about to lose. Mm-hmm. And at first he was kind of surprised because most polls showed Georgia special elections to be close. Uh, Democrat Democrat Ossoff was performing reasonably well, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, however, um, within a few days on the ground and knowing the district, I expected Ossoff to lose in a close race. But hearing that sentiment from a campaign insider was unexpected. Uh, yet it became a resounding theme, especially among the African-American political consultants and campaign insiders I spoke to. No matter what happened or how much money was spent, the racial dynamics of Georgia weren't going to let a Democrat win in a red district. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. This is their state. This is their confederacy. Well, and and. Democrats is for the black people, yeah, that's right. regardless of whether your candidate is black or not. Democratic part, the Democratic Party in the South is the black party. Yeah, yep. You see this in in throughout the South and in, in North Carolina and in Georgia, it gets particularly bad. I know in North Carolina, it's just it's ugly from what I understand, just absolutely flat out. Well, we know because the Supreme Court said, no, we saw you do it. Yeah. You said you were going to divide districts up between black and white and you were going to give the blacks three districts and you're going to have the white seven districts. And that's the way it was going to be. You said and, it out loud. Uh, you said it out loud. Let's find out where the blacks are and divide up the districts that way, yeah. because then the Democrat party will get less. Well, and, and, the, the, and the, the, yeah. the, 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 it's a longer article, but I just want to touch on one more thing, which is that uh, one example, a middle-aged white woman in a heavily pro Ossoff precinct called the police on me oh, yeah. for simply yeah. reporting yeah. on a group of African-American canvassers in her neighborhood. Canvassers mm-hmm. were threatened and spat upon on, across the sixth district. Yeah. The most yeah. reliable voter base of the Democratic Party is the also the voter base that is most heavily targeted for voter intimidation and voter suppression and politi- political abuse and policy abuse and on and on and on. And and his, the gist of the article is this: quit spending tens of millions of dollars chasing after non-existent moderate Republicans. Moderate Republicans. There aren't yeah. any. Yeah. They're yeah. quit chasing yeah. Romney voters. They're fucking Republicans. They're going to vote Republican. There's a few in the yeah. middle that'll swash, that'll slosh back and forth. But start recognizing these people are Confederates. They're going to be fucking Confederates till the day they die. That's how they are. That's what's wired into their brains. That's what their entire propaganda machine they surround themselves with tells them every day is the righteous and true 
uh, thing to do, just as they, just as were true in the 1860s and 1850s. Uh, they hear it from the pulpit. They hear it from the radio. They hear it from television. They hear it from Fox News. They're never going to change. And unless, unless there is a liberal media with enough firepower, with enough uh, decibel level to break through so that you can go across the country and listen to liberals and conservatives everywhere in the country – this mm-hmm. is never going to change. These people are going to go to their graves thinking they've done a great and good thing by trying to take your health care away from you because of the blacks. Basically, mm-hmm. at the bottom of their soul, that's what they're listening to. That's what they're thinking. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I'd like to – I know we're, we're running kind of all over the board today. Yeah. But we had a lovely lunch, coffee. We did. Um, with, a, with a listener. Yep. And, and you're welcome to, to ask us to lunch anytime if you're in Springfield – just email us at proleftpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know you'll be in town. And uh, coffee is available and lunch is available. And we've done it twice this year already, at least. Uh, someone's gotten in touch with us and visiting family and visiting our fair city. And we just love getting together with listeners. So, uh, and you got scotch, for God's sake. I got scotch. I got scotch from, you know, I, got the, I got the good stuff. <laughs> I, hey, Charlie Pierce, I got the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, you don't you don't have to bring scotch. No, no. But uh, we, just just so you know, we we do appreciate uh, our listener from uh, he he and his family were visiting from somewhat far away, mm-hmm. and uh, we were very glad to see him. Well, so. and and Blue Gal puts the emphasis on the uh, wrong syllable sometimes in her sentences. Uh, so let me rephrase: you don't have to bring scotch. <laughs> no, really, scotch. You know, I I, I talk a lot about it. I, I like I, I like the taste of it. It's the drink of my people, but I. I, it takes a while. I, I don't sit and – as tempting as it is, the last six months, I don't put a nipple on the thing and drink it like a nerd. No, I, I no, you don't. every so often, yeah. and it's – it's uh, Yeah, I, it, it's less than three times a week that you will have two fingers of yeah. scotch in a glass of ice, it, and you're not a drinker no, that way. No. But I've already you, had my drinking You appreciate it. I appreciate it. You appreciate really it. Do. Yes, you do. And, yeah. and yeah. What, uh, what he suggested I – don't, I don't think we're going to have time to do it today um, – uh, is we realize a lot of refugees are washing up on our shore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it would be helpful to put together um, a 20, 10 or 20 minute summary of modern political history, sort of how right. did we get here. Um, I don't think we have time for that today. No. Uh, but I would like no. to read one article, not, not even two paragraphs from one article. Okay. Right? And it's called The Politics of Slash and Burn. Uh, sick, traitors, bizarre, self-serving, shallow, corrupt, pathetic, shame. This group that urged political candidates to use these epithets has since regretted suggesting the word traitors in response to the inquiries from the press. But the others were allowed to stand. They appear in a glossary that a Republican group recently mailed to Republican state legislative candidates. This group is called GOPAC, the GOP Political Action Committee. Its chairman is Representative Newt Gingrich. The pamphlet... Language, a key mechanism of control, comes with a letter from Mr. Gingrich himself. Its message to candidates is step up <coughs> the invective. Use words like these to describe opponents. These words work. Mr. Gingrich's injunction represents the worst in American political discourse. Blah, 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 blah. The article right. ends with the nakedness of GOPAC. This is so quaint. This is so fucking quaint. <laughs> the, the nakedness of the GOPAC offering also makes it useful. There must be limits to the negative politics that voters will bear. The bald appeal to invective will certainly probe those limits. For now, it should be said that some adjectives in the glossary aptly describe the glossary itself. Shallow, sensationalist, and yes, shameful. Mm-hmm. That was written in 1990. Yeah. That's a full human generation 
ago, mm-hmm. 27 years ago. Four years later, Newt Gingrich was the Speaker of the House and Rush Limbaugh was his able assistant working the microphone on the outside of the Republican Party. Right. And liberals right. have been warning about the apocalypse ever since. We have been saying over and over again, these people are tampering with forces so dark and so terrible and so bloody and so uncontrollable and so barbaric that the day will come when you will not believe what the fuck your government's doing because it's being run by monsters. And that day is here. And mm-hmm. now, now we're surrounded by people whinging and wringing their hands and wondering, how did this happen? Where did this all go wrong? The article from the New York Times warning about this was from 1990. 1990. Yep. And let me just point out the mythology of what will stop Newt Gingrich and Rush Limbaugh and Tom DeLay and George W. Bush and Dick Cheney and Newt Gingrich and Lee Atwater and Donald Trump is always the same, which is the, the wisdom of the voters. Somehow the Capra-esque spirit of the voters will rise up and the smart America, the wise defenders of the establishment, will rally to stop the fascists from running us over. And the answer is bullshit. We, this is capitalism. Fascism mm-hmm. is good for mm-hmm. business. It sells shit. It, it gathers mobs of idiots together that, you, that will believe anything. And so our market system, our market of ideas has failed us completely. Our media has sold us out. Our politics has turned on us. And now we, we come to a day when Mitch McConnell can offer you and I and our, our families and our children up as human sacrifices mm-hmm. to the billionaires mm-hmm. he serves and the media wants to know, how did this ever happen? How did everything get so bad? Well, the, the way they got bad is you didn't fucking listen to us. In fact, you made a fetish of not listening to us. And now it's too late. Now the monster, mm-hmm. now the gargoyles are inside the cathedral. So. So what are you, go, what are you going to do about it now? Yeah. You're, you're, we're talking about Mika Brzezinski, yeah. who is utterly disgusted with Donald sure. Trump. Now that he's not doing her fashion shows anymore. Now that he's cut up her Barney car. He's ruining her country and... Uh, you know, uh, she can't use him right. as a fundraiser right. for her little charities in New York City and Manhattan. Living in the center of the universe is disturbing to her. And when I say center of the universe, I mean Manhattan, because to her, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't have to step outside of that world, that Barney's shopping world, uh, that, you know, get engaged in the south of Italy world. Uh, she's never going to miss a meal or do without health care. Uh, but his style disgusts her. Right. And she built that. She did. Joe Scarborough uh, built that. For ratings and money. Her fiance built that. Joe Scarborough can run in circles and, and say, you know, I was on the record four minutes ago. <laughs> about being, I've always been against us and so. He's a blowhard lying shitbag. But that's because he's a Republican. Republicans are, by their nature, blowhard lying shitbags. Andy mm-hmm. Lack pays a salary because he is a blowhard lying shitbag. People tune in to watch him and his little, you know, his little skeleton crew of washed up hacks and has-beens cough out their their praise of him because it's reassuring. They don't mm-hmm. want to acknowledge mm-hmm. that they were warned that the coal ash retention pond was going to leach into the Washington water supply for 25 fucking years. They don't mm-hmm. want to be reminded mm-hmm. that the people who told them this was going to happen are the people they told to leave, that they exiled, that they wouldn't listen to. They promoted David Brooks and Michael Gerson and David Frum and Rick Wilson, for fuck's sake, and, and Charlie Sykes before they would listen to a single fucking person who was right from the beginning. That's how completely dysfunctional corporate media is. And, mm-hmm. and now the people who who built this shit 
are trying to find a way to hang it on somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and, li- and, and they own the microphones. They own the cameras. They're going to get away with it. They're going to be able to invent a completely new mythology about how we got here and who Donald Trump was and what really happened. And you and I will once again find ourselves on the outside of a very thick plexiglass window. Well, and it. that's why we have to watch the exits right. because as you're, that's the only thing we can do right. is watch the exits and watch when – the people who – and I have saved tweets from people who are, you know, mega, 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 and I, I will never give up uh-huh. my faith. Literally, my faith. Uh-huh. Why don't people have faith in mega? Mm-hmm. And mega is idolatry. Yeah. I mean, this is a lovely segue. Into, it is. Uh, Bible bit. My favorite segment of the podcast. Bible bit. That's not scriptural. Uh, Bible. I, I, I hope we are – giving people the right mix of um, what you can do to make a difference and keep the faith and uh, who's to blame take care of take care of yourself yeah. and also righteous anger over what's happening to our country right um, you know and I think you and I do that in our own ways you, you <laughs> your testosterone levels your testosterone level is very high today, Drew. Well, you know, this is what happens uh, after a day of do-gooding. Now I feel like slaying dragons. So. <laughs> slaying dragons, right. Um, speaking of uh, our United Methodist Church and where we go, and they also have a library. They do. And uh, one of the very active ladies at our church uh, helps to take care of the library has kind of tracked down Middle Child and tracked down me. To say, would you guys um, grab a book from the library or grab something you've already read from the library and write something for the newsletter? You know, could you do that for me? Ha <laughs> um, In my spare time. Sure, I could do that. Uh, <laughs> I could write a book review for free. Sure. Uh, I went to the shelf, the theology shelf, thinking I could double dip Drift Glass mm-hmm. and uh, found a book by John B. Cobb Jr. called... Grace and Responsibility, a Wesleyan Theology for Today. And the reason I chose this one is it really is about uh, contemporary needs, contemporary what we are doing today with our politics, with our issues, um, and how we can apply our theology to this. Now, for years, I pretended that uh, the- my theology was separate from my politics, yeah. Um, I did that very consciously because I didn't want to dirty my theology with politics. And so I studied the Bible and then I went off and had my political life and I didn't cross the streams, as Hugh Hewitt would say, mm-hmm. uh, because um, for Egon, well, for a lot of reasons, for a lot of reasons. But I really just wanted to keep them separate. And as I got older, I realized that uh, I'm one person mm-hmm. and that. Inside that one person is politics and uh, a love for um, church and what church can do to make the world a better place and also a love for God. So, uh, you know, not all of our uh, listeners are believers, and that's great. You know, I think that's that God loves atheists best. I really believe that. Um, we don't evangelize. I, we no. We don't evangelize, no. and I have no interest in converting anybody. No, not <laughs> really at all. They don't. No. Uh, but if I don't share where I'm coming from as uh, a member of a faith community that's trying to make the world a better place, if I don't include that, then I feel as though I'm not being upfront and honest with 
our listeners, and I want you to see the whole of Blue Gown and our family and our life and how we practice politics, um, because I think that kind of intimacy uh, is valuable to the show and is valuable to our listeners. So that's why I do it. Um, there, anyway, there's a, there's a page here about abortion that I shared with you and I shared with our lunch guest uh, because I found it fascinating and it has to do, it's, it's sort of an answer to Mike Pence. If, if you will indulge me, Sure. Um, the debate, the abortion debate tends to be couched in terms of absolutes, the absolute right of the fetus to live versus the absolute right of the woman to decide such absoluteness is clearly religious. And the former right is often expressed in explicitly religious terms human life is said to be sacred. The form of the debate shows how far we have all come in the direction of humanism. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> what? Look at, watch, Mike Pence. Look what you've done. Yeah. Uh, although Christians on both sides of the debate often appeal to the Bible and make reference to God, it is human beings and their rights that stand at the center of this debate. As belief in God has been displaced from centrality, it has become instrumental to humanistic concerns. The assertion, the assertion that human life is sacred makes the shift explicit. Although many seem to think this is a biblical doctrine, it clearly is not. Nope. The Bible teaches that we are children of God, that God loves us and cares for us, and that we should love one another. Certainly, we should not murder one another. But this is not because we are sacred. Only God is sacred. True, we are made in God's image, but even before the fall, Adam is not sacred. Such language can only be applied to the creator. We are made of the dust of the earth and return thereto. Mm -hmm. And then they talk about how um, God is present and active in the entire creation. And that dealing with this issue and saying that you're Christian, dealing with this issue in a way that says human life is sacred, mm -hmm. and then saying that everything you do is based on the Bible is bullshit. Hey, hey so Blue Gal? Have to, yeah. I have a question. What, <laughs> yeah. What's the term for taking something non-sacred, something, just an object or like a golden <laughs> calf or a person or a fetus? It's called idolatry. And raising like... it to the level of being something sacred. A godhood, worship. Yes. Yeah, I believe it's called it's idolatry. Idolatry, it? yeah. and it's the, it's breaking the first commandment. Yeah, yes. oh, that's right. It that's is. right. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, you know, to be fair, the, the people who feel that um, – Life begins at conception, which, by the way, is just a, also not biblically at all supported at all at all. At all. Um, but for for those who believe that, uh, there is, um, you know, it's hard for me to even talk about this because I know the history of this issue, yeah. and uh, evangelical Christians did not care about abortion at all in 1968. Nope. When it was legal in 17 states, I believe nope. abortion was legal in a large number of states. Before we don't remember that, uh, Roe v. Wade made it legal nationwide. Right. It was legal in New York State to get an abortion before Roe v. Wade. It was legal in many states. You could get an abortion, and there, you know, people traveled to get an abortion, and they did. Went, you know, and and still do in the South. They still go on that. Sh we call that shopping trip to Atlanta, yeah. <laughs> and they don't go to. Pl 
If you want to look up abortion services in the phone directory, uh, online phone directory of Atlanta, you'll find there are a whole lot of abortion clinics in Atlanta that have nothing to do with Planned Parenthood, Mm -hmm. that the Republican Party has nothing to do with, you know, arguing against or worrying about or putting up uh, protest marches against or anything. Mm -hmm. Because that's where we send our mistress. That's where my college-age daughter will go. That's where, you know, my sister would go. Who Anybody who needed, who, you know, who made a mistake. Made a mistake. Well, mistake. has special case. It's a special case. My daughter. Because, my daughter. You know, right. As long as it's you and your tribe, right. again, uh, you'll find a quiet, clean, out-of-the-way place that's not in your backyard. And your daughter's away with rheumatic fever. Right. Or romantic right. fever, she, as she, I believe she's it was on, known. She's on a soccer scholarship right. Right. for a week someplace. Yeah. Soccer camp, right? Uh, yeah, you know, Mima and Grandpa don't have to know about that's this, right? right? That's right. It's just a little <laughs> so, so that and and that's the thing. So, um, but you know, as as the seventies progressed, mm-hmm. uh, and, and abortion before Roe v. Wade was seen as a Catholic issue, period. Yeah. And as as the seventies progressed, it became clear that you could raise a whole shitload of money. Mm-hmm. By slapping a fetus on an envelope uh-huh. and saying, "Look at this precious baby," and you're, you're, you know, we don't want to be baby killers. And the people you hate already, yeah, the Jews and the liberals yeah. and yeah. the lefties yeah. and the commies want to murder babies. I mean, that mm-hmm. I, I said this yeah. before during the um, during the Republican primary uh, when what's her name, HP CEO, ruiner of companies, oh, destroyer yeah. of worlds. Yeah. Uh, this was her issue. Planned yeah. Parenthood harvests baby, you know, harvests baby babies. Parts. The baby parts issue. On yeah. purpose, yeah. deliberately, that's their business model. And that's the blood libel. This is the ancient yep. Jewish blood yep. libel that Jews steal Christian babies to murder them to make their matzahs for Passover. Yeah. And this was yeah. a thing that lots of people in the dark ages, in the, in the, in the Middle Ages, Said this is what this is how Christians turned their basically fellow religionists, people upon whom their religion actually depended for legitimacy, into the evil, hateful other. They invented this entire portfolio of things that mm-hmm. that Jews did that were monstrously evil, that were completely fictional, and then locked them up for it, hated them for it, murdered them for it, put them in ghettos for it. Long before, you know, Hitler, there were yeah, the, right. the first pogroms, the the first attacks. By the Vatican were against Jews. Um, so yeah. and they but and the Republican Party had no compunction about resurrecting the most evil, uh, vicious, um, ancient uh, uh, slur, monstrous yeah. thing and tagging liberals with it because that's how far down the sewer they've gone. Yep. And and let's not forget, too, that John Ossoff, uh, you know, as Joe Scarborough said on Morning Joe, mm-hmm. not exactly a son of the South. Kind of northeastern. Wink, wink. And I'm sitting there go, boy, points off for subtlety. Yeah. You mean Jew. You mean Jewish, don't you? You mean. You mean Jew. Uh-huh. And so. Say it, Joe. You know, just say it. <laughs> just say it. You know you mean it. You know you mean it. Just say it. And so, uh, I, you know, it, it is disheartening to lose an election, folks. Yeah. It is disheartening to lose an election. This was John Ossoff's first campaign. Right. This, uh, you know, that his his opponent painted him as a baby, as a college frat boy, yeah. because he could. He's young, and 
the fact that he took a district that was anywhere from Republican plus 16 to a Republican plus 32, mm-hmm. depending on which candidate in the past 10 years was running, this is Newt Gingrich's district. Right. So the fact that he brought that to minus five Democrat mm-hmm. uh, is quite an accomplishment for a young first timer. Mm-hmm. That you know was did not have uh, the benefit of prior office holding, or um, at the last minute <laughs> and, it turns and out tried to be nice hit, and tried to be nice. That that I mean that's the other problem, yeah. right? Try to be nice, try to be a gentleman. Mm-hmm. Uh, bad strategy, but uh, but a rookie mistake. And uh, the fact that um, there was money coming from Las Vegas oh, no. <laughs> yeah. from a Jew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ironically, yeah. what's his name again? Shelly uh, Adelson. Shelly Adelson mm-hmm. was dumping money into Karen Handel's campaign. Of course he was. In of the course end. he was. Yep. <laughs> this is this was a proxy and, war. Right. Absolutely a proxy war. And and that's yeah. but I, I'm glad you brought up Newt Gingrich because Newt Gingrich again an entire generation has now gone by that has not known anything other than the conservative vocabulary about liberals being the normal language we just speak around the house and on the radio and on television. Liberals are liars. Liberals are liberals are traitors. Liberals are scum. Liberals love, love the, love the terrorists. Liberals hate this country, blah, 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 blah. That's, that has become the absolute normalized vocabulary among conservatives. And the people Mm -hmm. who back in the 1990, 1994 were wringing their hands and hoping that someday, well, surely someday someone will come along and fix this. 25, 27 years later, Newt Gingrich has been uh, at times a presidential candidate, uh, a a respected, repeatedly respected uh, contributor on all the Sunday morning shows, a guest columnist. He's he's deferred to and laughed at and quoted and sought after. And now he sits at the right hand of the president of the United States. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. what hate produced. That's what Mm -hmm. a campaign Mm -hmm. of steady Orwellian, brainwashing, hate-mongering, paranoia-slinging on the right, fully funded and vetted and approved of by the Republican Party for 25 years has created. And Mm -hmm. so don't fucking tell me that Donald Trump came out of left field and no one knows how he got here. You you fertilize the soil with blood and rage and paranoia and tears. And now, to quote uh, Stephen King, you know, you planted dragon's teeth, and now you're surprised you got a dragon. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Now, shall we run down yeah. all the stuff that happened this week? Because I think sure. the healthcare thing, pretty much, it's, it's, it's up in the air. Um, people will fight. I don't know who's going to win. I hope we do. I never thought I'd see the day when I said, Ted Cruz, hold your ground. Stand on principle, Ted Cruz. <laughs> hang in there, Ted. Ted. This afternoon, Ted Cruz and uh, Rand Paul and Ron Johnson and Mike Lee, mm-hmm. you know, that gang of four came out against Mitch McConnell's bill. So that's four. I mean, you only need three. Yeah. That's four. Uh, and and Chris Murphy, bless his heart, said, you know, I expect all of them to vote for this. They'll make noise. Yeah. and they'll, But this is theater. This is, this is just theater. Just, yeah. And they will all go on and vote for it. I remember the, uh, vividly the, the 90s and the early 2000s when the Senate were sort of looking down their nose at the House because the House, the Republican House, had become fully Newt Gingrichized. Yeah, had right, been turned right. into a bunch of little, little uh, hate-spewing sociopaths who lied and grifted for a living, and the people who loved them 
are the same, you know, mopes and morons and reprogrammable meatbags who voted for Donald Trump, who voted for George Bush twice. Uh, but the Senate was like, you know, sort of, oh, my God, can you believe those punks and weirdos that the, the mm-hmm. hoi polloi over on the House? Well, now the Senate is exactly the fucking same. And you know what? Here's yeah. here's what I want you to remember, Blue Gal. It's one party. It's mm-hmm. not both sides. Next time you yeah. see Matthew Dowd at a coffee shop, walk to him, up to him and say, Driftglass says it's not fucking both sides. One side wants to take your health care away, Matthew. One side wants you to keep it. I'd like to. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put this scalding cup of coffee on the table. I'd like you to see see you straddle that fence. Explain to me how that that's both sides. Explain to me the corrupt duopoly because that's what you and all your friends. That's the last hideaway. That's the last spider hole down which incompetent, craven media can crawl. Which is mm-hmm. we can't take responsibility for letting this thing go on for 25 years. We can't take ownership, especially if you're a Republican riding this dragon for 25 years and then getting off at the last minute going, oh, my goodness, what happened? So we're going to blame both sides. No matter what happens, we're going to blame both sides. Anyway, this week in uh, America, (laughs) uh, a bunch of stuff happened that uh, shot right under, not under my radar. I I paid attention to it, but it was it was while you were watching Donald Trump do crazy shit and the Republican Mm -hmm. Congress, uh, you know, do a, a fan dance, which you knew would end this way anyway. Uh, the Congressional Black Caucus said, no, thank you. We're not going to go meet with Donald Trump. To the Honorable Omarosa. Yeah. She re- she signed her letter of invitation, the Honorable. Because she doesn't know how to spell horrible. <laughs> um, but the, All right, next the, one. But they said, you know, basically, this is going to be a photo op, and we're not going to give you a photo op with black people, you racist scumbag. So good for right. you. Mike Pompeo, you know, CIA director. Mm-hmm. Uh, now there's a race to figure out who's going to get blamed for the fact that Michael Flynn uh, was sitting at the table soaking up secrets long after uh, Donald Trump had been, had been warned and the CIA had been warned that he's uh, he's a blackmail target. He can't be trusted. Who let that guy stay there? And now there's a race mm-hmm. to see who goes under the bus first. And Mike Pompeo uh, looks like he's teed up because he continued to brief Mike Flynn long after it was clear that Mike Flynn should be. Well, no and near. Donald Trump was sitting right there, too. So, yeah. Well, speaking of Donald Trump, he had a rally. Uh, very exciting. Uh, ten lies a minute. He clocked in at ten lies a minute, which is about, you know, his standard running speed. Uh, mm-hmm. plus, plus, he proposed a law that no one has ever thought of, which is exactly about immigrants and uh, welfare. Yeah, yeah. Already yeah. For five years, and the pig people squealed. They stood on their little hind legs and went wee 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 wee. Because let's face it, they're fucking morons. You know, it's well, not really and they, fair. they they the other one was the solar panels yeah, on the have wall. A sun wall. Was just and, and every coal miner in America that believed in Donald Trump was going what. Yeah. 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 Well, and there's a, a little little bit by um, brother Charlie Pierce that Charlie Pierce has tried to be empathetic to people who voted for Donald Trump and woke up one day and found out that he's going to take their insurance away from them. And it got harder and harder. He's come to the same place pretty much you and I have been at all along, which is, you know what? No, don't come to me. You were the people who sat and, and, and sucked Reagan's dick and bought every lie about welfare queens and black bucks and those people and the liberals are out to get you and the gays are coming for your kids and Hispanics and Muslims are blah, 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 blah. You bought all this shit and you voted for Donald Trump. And today, now I'm quoting him, today is not the day for you to ask me for my understanding as to how you're going to afford grandma's chemo. Now that she's busted the lifetime cap on her insurance. Today is not the day for you to ask for my sympathy for grandpa who's going to get his ass hoisted out of his, his rest home and dropped onto the couch in your basement family room. Because his Medicaid ran out. Today is not the day for you to moan into your TV camera about how Cousin Clyde, with the opioid problem, has now has got to go back to sticking up tourists for his fix because the little hospital up by the mountain closed. Not today. 
not this particular mm-hmm. Thursday, maybe Monday. Yeah, mm-hmm. Fuck Monday. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear from these mm-hmm. people ever again. If you're that stupid, right. turn over your vote to someone who's not as stupid as you. Exactly. Start voting for Democrats. Start a lot of Iraq war vets home. did it. Stay home. Uh, you're, yeah, you're basically yeah. drunk and you've proven you are going to crash your, your electoral car into a tree every time you use it. So stop it. Stop voting. Yeah. You're too stupid to vote. Just accept that about yourself. Embrace it. Stay home. Watch TV preachers. Jerk off to guns and ammo. Whatever it is you do, have more sex with your sister because, you know, that's kind of kind of the people I'm talking about. But for God's sake, stay away from the polling place because you're just not competent to be a citizen of my country. Anyway, moving on to my list. Um, <laughs> Trump's budget, speaking of those good people, cuts the funding for programs that houses the poor and fights homelessness, except for a federal housing <laughs> subsidy that somehow earns him millions of dollars every year. Right. Isn't that weird? Right. Isn't that weird how that worked out? Yeah. Man, that's just crazy. It's weird how that worked yeah. out. Uh, White House press briefings will now be uh, puppet shows conducted in a broom closet. Mm. Also, Mike, uh, Sean Spicer has stopped talking to Trump about anything. You can ask him any question yeah. about any subject, and he will say, I haven't talked to the president about that. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know anything about anything. And, and they're making him look for his own replacement, which is like, just take your pants off and walk on all fours, because that's really what you've been turned into. You're a pet. You're humiliating yourself. And I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea who in the right mind would ever hire Sean Spicer again. Um, he's no. he's just used up and tossed out. Uh, but he brought it on himself. If, maybe if he typed 60 words a minute, yeah. he could type something. Yeah. Yeah. And gave wicked good blowjobs. But that's <laughs> uh, Robert Mueller, Mueller added a witness flipping expert to his team. Yeah. Uh, and a couple of people have pointed that out on Twitter, yeah. that he looked at this case for two weeks mm-hmm. and he started hiring people. Mm-hmm who are known experts in Russian money laundering, speak Russian, <laughs> know the Russians, have been to Russia. Yeah. Like, what? You know, and then you shake, shrug your shoulders and go, I wonder where he's going to go uh, with this investigation. so hard to figure out. At least he's, at least he's not investigating the president. Right. It's just misdirection. Why are you, and, now, and now witness <laughs> flipping. People who are experts on getting witnesses. And to... witness flipping. Yes. Now, on the other hand, to be fair, Donald Trump's consigliere lawyer, insist that he's not under investigation, which is weird because Donald Trump's Well no, and then and then I don't know if you saw the interview with, with Mike Wall with Mike Wallace's son, with Chris, Chris Wallace. The, the, the where family Chris Wallace just couldn't Chris Wallace couldn't could not believe what was coming out of this lawyer's mouth because the first sentence was uh how dare anyone be investigating Donald Trump. For God's sake. No and then no one's investigating Donald that, Trump. That's crazy. That's well he's not <laughs> and, and yeah Chris Wallace just like you just said no, I didn't. I didn't, and it really was. I it it was the argument office oh, yeah. in Monty Python. It was no, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. <laughs> this isn't an argument. Well, and this is just you negating what I just said. Speaking of Chris Wallace, this is this is the Mike Wallace Martin Short. Um, yes, gag yes. where you know the guy with the the the, the coke bottle glasses who chain smokes. I didn't do that. You yes. did that. No, you literally yep. said that. Yep. Here's the proof. Why don't you look at yourself? Why don't you look at and it's just it is and at that point you, as a reporter you're going I don't even and this is a much bigger question which is why are you bothering to treat these people I mean they're very serious this is as serious right. as it gets our country is under attack our government has been taken over by really wretchedly evil people who are trying to do and, horrifying things but the press and we have been invaded I mean yeah. I think it's really important to recognize. That what the Russians did in the 2016 election was an act of terrorism. Yeah, it was. 
And the fact that so many of us were sobbing in our boots on election night mm-hmm. has to do with the fact we don't didn't realize it at the time, but we were under attack. Mm-hmm. We had been attacked and our election had been stolen from us. And Republicans are completely OK with that. They're OK. Think with about that. that. Just and, and I'm so disappointed that American women are so stupid huh? that and, and that Facebook is such a huge part of their lives mm-hmm. that they will believe anything they see. I mean, and I know and you you don't do Facebook nope. and you're very clear about that on your face. The, the few things you have to do for <laughs> Facebook, you've got your your icon saying I'm never on Facebook. That's what your icon is, is a blank head saying I'm never on Facebook. Yes. OK, yes. We found out that liberals cannot abandon any corner of the Internet. I, we have to be there. We have to be fighting back. I agree. We have to be answering every single thing. Because the thing that flipped this election was Facebook posts mm-hmm. about Chelsea Clinton's wedding getting paid for by the Clinton Foundation. Right. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back for a bunch of stupid white women who were inclined not to vote for a woman anyway because that's against their normative mm-hmm. feeling about things. Indeed. And it convinced them to vote for Donald Trump, not to stay home, but to vote for pussy grab. Right. And that is just, that can't ever happen again. And if, if we're going to say that can't ever happen again, we have to be in every corner of the Internet. Yeah. And we, well, here's the thing. Fortunately, I mean, it did it did motivate a whole bunch of people who were on the sidelines in politics mm-hmm. to get involved. But uh, well, you know what? I, it, I, we, I I agree with you. We have to. I don't have to. Um, I know. I, you know, my I job know. is, for example, in our house, my job yeah. is to get the stuff off the top shelf. <laughs> I'm really good at that. I'm like gifted in that area. I can get six foot eight is really good. At I that. store things there. By the way, the down. first thing first thing that my dad said to you when we visited him two weekends ago was, oh, my, I forgot you're as tall as James Comey. Yes, yes I am. <laughs> Yeah, and I, you know what? You know, I never did. I never fucked up Hillary's election. So I no, you Comey. didn't. Yeah, I'm and, and Comey, Comey uh, wears lifts. You think? Well, no, no, he carries himself like a like a tall guy who's been tall his whole life. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, and uh, he does curl himself around yeah. and sits down very quickly. He does. I a whole, yeah. There's a whole yeah. series of strategies on how to make people because it's not good to not be afraid of you unless you yes, mean to. Right. People react very badly right. when they're afraid. Or intimidate. Right, they, right, they 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 right, lock up. They don't right. talk. So there are actually a series of you know strategies for getting in and out of a room and talking to people in a way that puts them at their ease. That I'm I'm really mm-hmm. good at. And then I cast aside when I have to be scary, like when well and yeah, when boyfriends come, <laughs> potential boyfriends come. Right. Around. When when boyfriends <laughs> start coming over, you will stand at your full height mm-hmm. and uh, look down on but them. <laughs> I don't. I, I have no interest, and I, I have no skill, and I have no feel for. I'm really good at putting words together. I'm pretty good at talking in public. I'm pretty good at yep. constructing arguments. I, there's a lot of things I do really well. Facebook is simply Facebook not one of them. is not one of them. <laughs> and it makes my flesh crawl. The concept of it makes my right. skin crawl. So right. I acknowledge I that people also. But I'm saying that people people who are going to be the paid activists for the DNC sure. are going to have to be there. sure. And uh, and not look down their nose at that platform or whatever no, platform. Absolutely. And I'll be in the next room with my IBM Selectric and yeah. carbon paper, <laughs> just typing away. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah, a show. We've got kids. We've got kids to pick up and things to do, and we're getting late. Yeah. So, so we're uh, the last couple. Uh, the White House is pushing the Republican Party to scale back on Russian sanctions. Scale way back. Mm-hmm. You know, surprise, surprise. 
And uh, last but the the last part about the Trump's lawyer, Trump's lawyer insisting that he was not under investigation, and Trump insisting that he was. So when you're fighting with your own lawyer in public over whether or not you're under investigation, you're not winning. That's not what winning. That is something that does I have noticed does shut up the MAGA people is uh, just saying to them, look, Trump can't hire a a decent lawyer because he's a deadbeat who constantly confesses on Twitter. Only large, you know, are they don't. No one hasn't. No one in the MAGA crowd has an answer for that. Well, the, they won't say, "Oh, he could hire any lawyer he wants. He's rich." They know he doesn't pay his right. bills. And the lawyers know that. And the lawyers and know they that. know. So, the only, well, and again, yeah. this is this is remember the only filter. The only thing he knows is being a grifter and a deadbeat and a liar and a braggart and screwing people and ripping them off and and getting away with it. And he's finally yeah. gotten to a job where. There are that that certainly got him this job, but now comes the time that he never had to face in the rest of his fucking life, which is now you got to deliver and yeah. you have to deliver yeah. something. And you right, you can't deliver by bullshitting your way and just settling. There is no settling in the Mueller investigation. No, no. you're not going to just go. Oh, all right, I'll just pay the three million dollars, pay the twenty five million dollars for the Trump University lawsuit, and I'll go. Out, we'll just settle, and then I'll go out and talk yeah. about how I never how I never settled. I'll never you know what? settle. These idiots will believe anything I say. That's how stupid they are. Yep. Speaking of which, Russian hackers hit election systems, not uh, social media. He probed or hit election systems in 39 states. Now it's getting yep. closer to they fucked with the registration. Manipulating something. Yeah. But it's certainly tried. And the Republican, the Republican uh, cloud database uh-huh. was left on the cloud with no, uh, sure. no security, no password. 108 million. Clear. Clearly, so that the Russians could get at 189 million, million, million yeah. user files. Three out of five Americans have their personal data out in the open. Handed over by the Republican Handed Party. over to the world, yeah. to anyone, yeah. to everyone. Whose server never got hacked? Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Isn't that weird? It's like she was on to the fact that, that there was some scurrilous shit afoot and the Republican Party <laughs> was in on it, or at least didn't care about it. And maybe we should maybe well, we should lock things down a little tighter. And again, again, I think I I really think that whole private server thing, mm-hmm. in addition to being something that previous Secretary of State had done mm-hmm. and uh, told her how to do because it just was easier. Um, she did not want Trey Gowdy looking at the receipts for her daughter's no, wedding. No, because now we're back to and it, it wasn't and and it wasn't the foundation paying for it. The foundation has public financial right. records. No, we're back. No, because we're back to because you know what else she lived through? She, she lived through the Christmas cards <laughs> list. She lived through yeah, Lincoln right. bedroom. She, she knows. knows they were going to look in her underwear drawer. They knew they're going to go through my underwear they drawer. They asked her at the eleven hours. At the 11-hour testimony on Benghazi, whether she was alone that right. night. They're going to go through. And she laughed and, and you know, was laughing that, you know, she was she alone? And and the woman, in a, you know, re, woman Republican, nobody congresswoman. I don't think that's funny. Why are you thinking that's funny? And, and I don't think that's funny. She knows that Republicans will use the power of subpoena to go through her underwear drawer, take anything they can find, a pizza, pizza gate. A pizza place, yes, right. wrap it in red meat and throw it to the dogs because that's what Republicans do. Right. They don't exactly they don't again. They hate this country. They dream of a feudal system, and the people standing in their way are the people they are, they most hate in the world, and they will do anything to get them out of their way. And yep. they don't. They're, they're unburdened by conscience. Uh, but you know what? Yep. It comes to me about Facebook that each week we post to our Facebook page, and when I say we, well, I mean we you. do, and and uh, and I'm jealous of Tom Lay at Deadspin yep. because he wrote a much better headline than I did. <laughs> 
Donald Trump drive, drives golf court on the green like a true shithead. <laughs> he did. He drove his golf cart right up to the hole. Uh-huh. Like like he's playing polo, okay? Like he's just going to swing the club from his cart. From his cart. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a polo mallet. He's that lazy. And get that <laughs> He's that lazy. He's that fucking yeah. lazy. And the secret service is walking alongside the cart. Uh-huh. <laughs> what an ass. Yeah, well, hey, look, when 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 Obama was in office, the secret service had to break sweat, you know. Yeah. No, I know. When when, I when, know. when George H.W. jogged, they had to break sweat. They're like, what's yeah. he doing? Yeah, he's yeah. sitting in his office watching TV, eating chicken. Okay. Yeah. They just got on the golf course yeah. and, you know, swing a... They got to keep up with the cart. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they walk alongside the cart. They do. Yeah. But uh, he, in violation of every golf club rule, this oof drove right over the green. And, uh, of course, he's driving, as I wrote today, he's driving like he owns the place because he yeah. does own the place. Well, he treats the greens like he treats the representative of Montenegro, you know. President yeah. of Montenegro. Yeah. Get out of my way. Get out, Get out of my, my way. Out. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> And I said, uh, and the people that were making the phone video that showed him doing this said, look at that, driving right on the green. You can do that when you own the course. I said, they let you do that. It's just like grabbing pussy. Right. It's, you know. <laughs> you know. And he does. He just he just goes around like it's a polo mat. A polo mat. He went after that hole like a bitch. He did. He went after that golf hole like a bitch. You can do that. Yes, you he can did. do that, you know. It was married. The hole was but, married, hey. you know. But, you know, it's so pathetic. Well, you know, the, the right. tits are fake. You know that, right? <laughs> she, it totally ruined their look. Yeah. Yeah. We remember. Yeah, you voted remember. for that guy. You voted for that guy. Each week we post to our Facebook page and website an internet kitty sent in by you, the listeners. But this week we are again featuring an internet dog. Dog. This is in, this internet dog is Winnie. Winnie uh-huh. gave birth to four beautiful puppies this week. So much and Winnie. They are beautiful. So much Winnie, you won't believe it. So much Winnie and and baby Winnies and they're two boys and two girls and she's a wonderful mother. Mm-hmm. And uh, she would like to tell Beyoncé to eat her heart out mm-hmm. because twins twins, twins please, please. Fuck that shit. I had four. <laughs> Twin standing on my head. Try having four and see how you do there, Beyonce. Yeah, right. No, Winnie did very, very well. And and they're all healthy and very happy. And they love their mom. And their mom is a very good mother. So we're so proud of Winnie. Winnie belongs to one of our uh, longtime listeners and supporters. And so uh, Winnie is on our Facebook page and website. And you should go take a look at her and her lovely family. They are so lovely. You can send your internet kitty to us at our email address, proleftpodcast at gmail.com, where you can also write to both of us. Feel free to write us. We love hearing from you. Be aware that if you write us at any of our addresses, we reserve the right to read your email or U.S. Postal Service. Go, Postal Unions! Letter on the air unless you say otherwise. Don't forget our gourmet coffee guideline. If you can afford to buy an espresso-based beverage for yourself, buy one for us. And don't forget our Amazon link at our website. We believe in buying local, and we also believe in shopping Amazon with our link if your alternative is a big box store. Approximately 1% of our listeners support this podcast with a contribution. You can, too. See our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com, for details. Both our PayPal and postal address information is there at professionalleft.blogspot.com. 
Also be aware that this is the time of year when our uh, post office box gets a little empty. It does. It's lonely. So if you're looking for a time, if you're looking for a time, it's it's just cyclical. People are in their gardens. People are traveling. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, But if you're looking for a time when your letter is going to get uh, faster and more attention than it would, say, in November, mm-hmm. when a lot, October, September and November are when a lot of people write us. Uh, if you want to send it, May and June are really good months to write us and know that you're uh, right through the 4th of July, that, that your letter uh, will be treasured uh, as a unique item mm-hmm. because we just aren't getting that much mail. So mm-hmm. uh, would love to hear from you if you have time to write us. Please share our show on Facebook or Twitter. And thank you for doing mm-hmm. that. Hey, Drift Class, how are the Internet Kitties doing this week? You know, Blue Gal, the Internet Kitties do not remember that Barack Obama spent the first six months of his presidency obsessing over Mitt Romney's crowd size. Let's think about living. Think about living. Let's think about loving. Think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the humping and the popping and the loving, loving, loving. Let's forget about the whining and the crying, the shooting and the dying and the fellow and the switchblade knife. Let's think about living. Left podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons license. Copyright 2017. Drift Class Blue Gal Podcast. No. Oh, oh, hold on. Oh, hold a on. Middle child. Middle child wants to say something. Fake news. Sparkle farters. <laughs> we had a comment at my blog last week. What was the comment again? Fake news. Sparkle farters. Fake news. Sparkle farters. Yeah, I, I, I like that. <laughs> I published that one. I made you publish that one. Yeah. Middle Child said you should publish that one, definitely. Comment below if you want Drift Class and I to start a science fiction podcast. It will be two times a day, hour long each, 365. (laughs) Thank you. Goodbye.